Hey, so glad you are all here uh, with us today. My name is Greg, and obviously Amber and I are the lead pastors here. want to welcome those that are with us online. So glad you're able to join us this way. We are live, live now online, and so we're so grateful to be able to do that. If you ever are not able to be here, uh, so grateful that you can join that way. Well, uh, before I jump into the message, I just want to celebrate something that happened here Wednesday night. Uh, for those that aren't aware, Wednesday night we had a time of prayer and worship. It was just a great time, powerful time for those who were here. God met with us in a deep way. It was so, so great to see it happen. And I, I received notes from a number of people within the church, just how God had spoken to them, how it, he had challenged them, how he had met with them. I had one lady just share, you know, I was, I, I've been struggling to sleep for months, and God just kind of spoke a peace over my life, and I slept amazing on Wednesday night. I'm like, it's great. So if you have trouble sleeping, you should come to prayer and worship. This Wednesday, no, but Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, we will have, we're doing it for six weeks, and so challenge you, encourage you, join us uh, this week, beginning at 6.30, all right? Uh, well, we are in the series that I kicked off last week called An Election-Proof Faith, right? An Election-Proof Faith. If you missed last Sunday's message, I would encourage you to go watch it, because it is kind of central to everything I'm going to talk about throughout this series, and so I would encourage you, make sure you check that out. But before we get into the series, I just need to pause and say this for a second. Amber and I are called to be the shepherds of this congregation, all right? That's what we're called to. And the, the idea of pastoring is this idea of shepherding, that we are helping lead you. And our call is to help lead you in your faith, to help shepherd you faithfully toward Christ in everything. That's our calling. I'm not here to shepherd you toward a candidate, okay? I'm not here to shepherd you to a political party. That's not my calling. That's not what God has called me to do. I am called to shepherd you toward Christ. And I pray that as, as we walk toward Christ, we would faithfully live out that faith and it would work its way through our politics. It would work our way through our values. It would work our way through everything that we do. And so my challenge to you, again, because I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, my challenge to you is that you research that you actually look at the, what's going on. You don't just listen to the loudest voices that are out there, right? You don't just listen to the people who are yelling at you. No, we listen for the voice of God. And, and we listen to what does he have to say, okay? And we also go and we look and research the candidates. We research what they believe. We research those things. We look at the platforms represented by these candidates. And we say, God, lead me. Lead me in wisdom, okay? That's our call. All right? We know we're in an election season, and if we're honest about that, we know it is crazy toxic, right? We're in a toxic season. It is just toxic. Our culture is toxic. Politically, it is extremely toxic. And if we want to follow Christ during a time like this, then we know we can't operate like everybody else does. We can't. I said this last week. We have to operate differently, all right? how do we need to think differently? We need to ask that question. We need to ask the question, how do we need to live differently? How do we have this faith that is election proof? And I shared this with you last week that I have three goals for us during this season. Three goals. The first one is this, that I want your faith in Christ and your commitment to him to grow over the next six weeks. Like my goal isn't that we just, we get caught up in all this stuff and it compromises our faith. I want us to grow in our faith in the next six weeks. The second thing is this, I want us to choose to value the right things over the next six weeks. And we're going to talk about that explicitly today. And the third thing is this, I want our corporate witness for Christ to remain pure over the next six weeks. How we function 
how we speak, how we live, that we would represent Christ well. I gave you a big so what for the entire series last week. How many of you remember this? Right? Jesus will still be on the throne on November 4th. Amen? Okay? That's the big so what. I don't care. I said this last week. Some of you were laughing at me. I don't care if it's Biden, Trump, or Mickey Mouse. I don't care. I don't care if we don't know who's on the throne or who's on, uh, who our president is on November 4th. We know who is seated on the throne, and we can trust, and we can have faith, and we can have hope in that. And as followers of Christ, we should be those who don't get freaked out all the time because our confidence isn't in this world. My hope is not in a president. It isn't. My hope is in Christ. That's the foundation of my joy. It's the foundation of everything in my life, all right? Cool. So I want to get to the message for today, and I'll I want to just simply ask this. When it comes to politics, have you ever thought this? Whose side has God on? You ever asked that? My guess is you have. My guess is you've really thought, really thought about, like, all right, whose side is God really on? I know that there are people on both sides of the aisle that claim that God is on their side, right? Confidently asserting, I know God is on my side. And here's a problem. Is that once we think that, then we assume that's always the case, and then, and then we have a hard time ever seeing anything differently. We do. We think, okay, God's on my side. Cool. He's on my team. He's playing for my team. This is so good, right? Okay. There's something called confirmation bias. Anybody ever heard of confirmation bias? Understand what that means? means that once you believe something, once you have a, have a hold to a value of something, whatever it is, then everything you see, you see through the lens of confirming what you already believe. Like, I believe this, so therefore, whatever I see is only reinforcing what I already believe. Pick, pick the topic. Doesn't really matter. We all deal with this on a regular basis, but this absolutely is true when it dips into our pol- political views and how we see the world. Because we have what we believe, and everything we say proves that that's true or isn't true, or proves that the other side's wrong and that I'm right. That's what confirmation bias is. It just is a thing. We all deal with it. All right? But then we have another problem, and I talk about the problem of this thing all the time, and that's called social media. Amen? Okay. Some of you, you, you laugh at that, but you don't really know what's happening. I... I've been, I've been watching some documentaries and researching some of this stuff to understand a little bit deeper. Let's take Facebook. I'm going to tell you why Facebook is a bigger problem than you think it is. Because here's what happens. You look at something. You watch a video. You read an article. You do something on Facebook, all right? And, and you like that, right? And you spend time there. You know what Facebook knows? It's watching, and it knows that person watched that video. And they stayed there for a while. They like that kind of stuff. So you know what Facebook, you know how Facebook makes money? Your time. As long as you stay on Facebook, they got money. They keep making money off you by selling ads to companies. And so when one, they find out what you like, guess what they start feeding you? More of that. More videos that say what you want. More you know, articles that say that. More people that agree with what you have to say. And in time, Facebook learns who you are and insulates and isolates you from any other viewpoint. And now you are reaffirming on the constant what you believe. And by living in that little world, when you look at people who ever think differently than you, you're like, how could anybody think that? Right? Everybody in my world thinks this. They just owned you. <laughs> Facebook just owned you. All right? It's unhealthy. And we, it's, it's across the board we have this as a problem. All right? So I want to go back to the question. If God had to choose sides... Whose side is God on? 
If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, verse number 13. As you turn in there, just a reminder that we are in our Bible reading plan. If you, uh, if you haven't been following along, tomorrow we'll post the reading for the week. I'd love for you to jump in. If you've gotten off, just jump back in. Don't worry about it, okay? Would you stand with me across the room? It's just our tradition. Nothing sacred about standing. It's just what we do to honor God's word together. I'm going to read just one verse to you. I usually read longer than that. I'm going to read one verse to you, and then I'm going to explain the whole context. Here's what it says. Joshua 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you speak to us. We confidently say, God, we need you. We need you desperately. God, I'm asking by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would take the truths we talk about today and dig them deep into our heart. Open our ears, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Hey, I'm going to give you a little context. This little moment in time is a pivoting moment in a really big story that takes place in the Old Testament. So we've got the people of God known as the Israelites, right? And, and God says, I'm going to work through you. I'm choosing you. And so the, at this time, the Israelites are in bondage in Egypt. They are enslaved in Egypt. And God says, I'm going to set you free. So he takes a man named Moses. He calls him. He says, you are going to go rescue my people. And Moses goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh doesn't want to let him go. So what happens? Ten plagues get sent. God sends all these amazing signs to show the power of God. Eventually, Pharaoh relents. And he says, okay, I'm going to let your, the people go. Right? And he leaves. And God proceeds to do miracle after miracle after miracle. What? They part the Red Sea. He's feeding them, you know, manna and quail out in the, in the wilderness. There's, you know, there's pillars of clouds and fires and all this kind. Of, I mean, it's just crazy stuff that's going on over and over and over again. And eventually God says, I'm going to lead you to this promised land, this land that I have called you to. I, I've, I've got it set aside just for you. This is what we're going to do. And, and Moses is, is hoping he's going to lead them, but Moses makes a mistake. God says, sorry, you're not going to get to go to the promised land. So they get right up to the promised land, and Moses gets to see it, but he doesn't actually get to go there, and instead there's another man that gets put in charge. Who is that? Joshua. Joshua is now in charge. Okay, and when God speaks to Joshua, he says, listen, you know know how I was with Moses? I'm going to do that with you too as well, okay? Listen, be courageous. Be strong. Go stand firm. Follow after me faithfully, and and everywhere you put your foot, I'm going to give that to you, okay? And so Joshua proceeds to go lead the people, and God does the same kind of stuff again. Remember all the stuff he was doing for Moses? He did an amazing thing. We talk about the parting of the Red Sea, but God actually stopped the Jordan. They walked across on dry ground through the Jordan as well. And they're about to, they're about to be in the land, all right? And so they walk up to the very first city. I've actually been there before, and when you cross over, this is it's the first place you come to. They come to Jericho, all right? And so we get to this passage. It says, it says now when Joshua was near Jericho, he's approaching Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword. Now, when he sees this soldier, he sees this soldier, as you see in the rest of this passage, he understands that this is spiritual. This isn't just a normal guy. There's something spiritual going on. He has a trepidation about the way he approaches this guy. And so he asks this question, are, are you for us or for our enemies? And the response here is, is not the response that Joshua was probably expecting. <laughs> Because my guess is if he, he had every reason to expect that if this was a soldier of God, then clearly he's on our side, right? Clearly this soldier would be fighting for me, right? Think of all the miracles. Think of what God has done. He's called us, all these things. Obviously he's on our side, but what's the answer he gives them? Neither. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. Neither. 
Some translations just say, nope. Are you on my side or their side? Nope. <laughs> nope. And I'm sure Joshua is just like, what? God, what about all the promises you gave me? You said all the stuff you've been doing. Are you, you're a God to be on my side. He's like, no, well then whose side are you on, God? And I think if God had to answer that question, he's like, I'm on my side. God is on his side. See, we want to box God up and put him into our little thing, right? Whatever I've got, I want to put him in my box. God is above. We talk about this. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. He is above these things, okay? That's why he's God. That's why he's king, okay? God is on his side. So I want to get to the big so what. I'm going to get there early today, so don't get excited, okay? Because we're going to hang here for a while, all right? And we always say, so what? What's the point of this message? This is the one truth I want you to take away today, and it's this. The question isn't, is God on my side, but am I on God's side? Okay? Not is God on my side, but am I on God's side? Am I listening to his voice? Right? Do I value the things he values? Am I hoping he joins me, what I got going on? Or am I joining him in what he is doing in the world? When you look at this story, uh, this interaction that Joshua has, he comes in, in and he hears him say, oh, this is a, I'm, I'm here on behalf of God, and he bows down, and he's all reverent and all this kind of stuff. And then this soldier begins to just explain what it is he's calling Joshua to do. See, you're coming up to the city of Jericho, and you may not realize this. A lot of the times we think about Jericho as this fortified city, and like, obviously it was so huge, there's no way. Jericho was not actually a big city. When you look at the archaeology around this, this was not this massive. Yes, they had a big structure, but it was not a massive. If you've got this massive Israelite army, I guarantee you Joshua walked up there and said, dude, we can totally take this place. We got plenty of power to take this place down. And, and this soldier comes and brings a word from God. He says, listen, we're not going to do things your way. I'm not on your side. I'm going to show you that you've got to stay on my side. And what does he do? He tells him to do the weirdest thing ever, right? We know the story, you know, you're going to go to Jericho, okay, one for six days, you're going to do a little one walk, and then the last day you're going to do seven, and then you're going to blow the trumpets, and that's... it's just a weird story, what happens? But I think what he's trying to do, he's trying to say, listen, you're going to do things my way. I'm not here to join you, you're here to join me. In fact, he proves this by uh, just a few chapters later, the story of Ai. Some of you know the story of Ai. What happens? Immediately after this, God does this amazing miracle, and I'm sure Joshua's thinking, cool, God's back on our side, right? He's going to just do whatever he wants. So like, Ai, there's a small town. We, I'm just going to send a couple thousand. We'll take care of that. No big deal. He doesn't ask God. He just does what he wants to do and hopes God's with him. And guess what? They go there, and they get routed. And he realizes a very important thing. It is not about God joining you. It's about you listening to the voice of God and getting on what he is doing, joining his side, okay? So what does that look like in us? Just our normal, everyday life, the way we live our lives. I think there's a lot of times in our life where we just want God to, to join what we got going on. Your personal life. Think about it. Like, sometimes we have questionable morals, there's those gray areas in life. You know what I'm talking about. Those times where you're like, eh, I probably shouldn't say that. Ooh, I did say that. Ooh, it's not totally true. I don't know if I should really do this thing, but I'm going to do it anyway. And what's the kind of things that I hear people say sometimes? Sometimes I say it to myself. I think God will understand, right? He's fine with it. He'll understand. No big deal, right? 
Because God's on my side. He loves me. He cares about me. You know, he'll be fine with it. Not a big deal. Sometimes it's not just questionable morals. It's questionable relationships. We got people in our lives that we know are leading us the wrong way. I don't know what, it, what the relationship is for you. Maybe it's just a friendship that's always kind of taking you the wrong direction. Maybe it's a, a, a man, it's a woman, it's a boy, it's a girl, somebody that you're designing this relationship. And you love the relationship. You love this relationship and you, you know it's not really good. You know God really wouldn't want this for you, but, but you keep staying in there and you say things to yourself, well, I think God wants me to be happy, right? God wants me to be happy. He, would, he doesn't want me to be alone. He wants me to be happy. And unfortunately, we get this viewpoint, well, he's on my side. He, he's for me, not against me, right? So whatever we just want God to join our thing. Sometimes it's not just morals or relationships. Sometimes it's questionable prayers we pray. You ever prayed a prayer like this? God, would you bless my thing? <laughs> I'm going to do this thing. God, would you bless it? It's like when I go to Taco Bell. When I pray over a meal at Taco Bell, I don't pray a normal prayer. I say, dear Jesus, do what you can. <laughs> Clearly, this is not the right decision for me. But would you just, like, just let it not affect me negatively, you know? We're asking him to join the things that, that, that we've decided. And we'll do that sometimes. We'll make decisions in our life. We'll go ways that we, we're not sure. We haven't asked God's wisdom. We don't know if this is what he wants for us. And we just say, hey, God, would you kind of join my side? But you see, that's not what God wants to do. He's not the God of choosing sides. He is the God who is the side. And we say, okay, we either join him or we don't get to be a part of things. God, would I follow you? Would I lay myself down to you? Would I join what you are doing in the world, right? Are we aligning our lives with what makes sense to us? Or are we aligning ourselves with him? So we ask, do I study his word and shape my life to his? Or do I do the things that I like and I hope God's cool with it? Right? Do I care about the things he cares about? Does my heart break for the things that, that break his heart? And ultimately, I want to ask this, do I value the things that he values? Is that what I value? Do I say, God, it doesn't really matter if I like it, I agree with it, I understand it. God, I choose to value the things that you value. I want my heart, my life to look more like yours. That's what it means to follow Christ. We talked about it last week. I used the image of the solar system. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back and watch that. But that's, that's what it means to value things. See, when we're at the center, God is just all about us. Join my thing, God. Join my thing. No, no, no. We're called to say, God, I, get, I put you at the center of my solar system, and God, everything I value is about what you want, not what I want. Okay? All right. So there's some practical things, and I think God may speak to some of your hearts about areas in your life where you are just asked, hoping God will join you. Those things, those moral things, those relationships, those projects that God's called you to, whatever it is. But I want to kind of dig and move into the waters that I don't like to, and that's the, how does this apply to politics and elections? I said this last week, this is shark-infested water that I don't want to walk in. I don't want to wade in. But I feel called to help lead and speak truth into this, okay? So once again, I'm not relying on my perspective. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm going to take you to what God says and what his heart is and pray that God leads and speaks to you, okay? Here's what I think. I think it is so easy for us to pick sides politically and miss our calling. Rather than valuing the things God calls us to, we only value the things our party tells us to. Now, I understand this because I have conversations with you guys. Some of you have already told me that you're a Democrat, you vote Democrat. I know some of you have told me you're Republican and you vote Republican. Get that, and I totally understand it. And that's the world we live in. 
like the country that we are a part of, we have primarily a two-party system. So there's not a lot of options out there, folks, okay? I get that. I understand that. And I understand that when we walk into a booth, we are forced to check a box, a box as imperfect as that box may look to us. As much as we say, I wish Jesus would just come so I could vote for him. That's not an option most times. <laughs> All right? And so we're forced to make a decision whether we like it or not. I totally understand that. But if we aren't careful, we can allow that vote, that thing that we check, the box that we check, we can allow that vote to infect our values, to cause us to compromise our values. Remember, we are called to be those whose allegiance is supremely to Christ. We said that last week. But that requires us to value what he values, to join his side on things. Not to say, oh, I hope God's on my side. But no, join his side in all things, no matter where it lands on the political spectrum. Okay? Where is our commitment? So I want to I give you an illustration. I love this. I'm stealing this one. All good ideas are stolen. Tony Evans uh, is a preacher, and I heard him share this recently, and I just love this. Uh, I've asked this before. How many like football? Any football fans out there? Okay. Uh, how many hate football? Where's the football displeasures? Yeah, I figure. Yeah, there's, I know it. Every time, every time I talk about football, I'm like, I'm sick of you talking about football. I'm like, get over it. I like football. Sorry. <laughs> You're going to have to just deal with it. So, all right, so. So, for, so imagine there's like a really good going at You got two good teams going at it. You got the Vikings. At, never mind. Not the Vikings. You got the Packers and the Bears going at it because they're both 2-0. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, so we got, a team, we got a football game going on. All right? We understand what happens. What happens? Here's the field of play. You got two teams on the field. They're both wearing their team colors, right? They both have their ideas. They've got their plan. They've got their strategies for how to do things, Right? They, got, they are committed. I mean, they're just, you know, they're bumping chest. They are all into this thing. They are ready for the battle. Let's do this thing. They also have their own leaders. They got a coach on each side, and they're looking to their coach for direction as to the strategies that we're going to take so we can get on the field and we can beat the other team. All right? That's what happens on Sundays. But you understand this, that there's a third group on the field. The refs. And what do we know about the refs? <laughs> The refs aren't wearing the colors of the two teams. They're there for a different purpose. In fact, they aren't committed to like this coach or this coach. Or they're not trying to get a, no, what are they, where's their allegiance? It's at 345 Park Avenue in New York City, where the NFL headquarters are. That's where their allegiance is. Oh, they're on the field with everybody else, absolutely. But they're there with a different kind of allegiance. They're listening to the voice of the, not these, they're not getting in the midst of everything. They're not trying, trying to fight for one side. or the, They are trying to hear the voice of God and to try to live that out, right? And that's what our calling is. We are called to be more like refs than to be the players on the field to say, God, we want to primarily have our allegiance toward you to hear your voice and then to live that out here. That's our call, Okay. God, how, how could we be more faithful to you? And I think the problem sometimes that we have in the church is that rather than saying, God, I need you, I need to hear from you, sometimes we put jerseys on from other teams and we get so committed to there that we want to hush any voice that might not be the values that really fit my side. Even though God cares about this, I can't really care about it because it doesn't fit my side. Instead, God, God, may I never do that. May I value what you value. No matter where it lands, may I be passionate about what you're passionate about. I want to be committed to your kingdom in everything, right? 
That's our call. So, what are some of those values? What are some of the things? Now, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to share um, one of those values that I, I believe God is calling us to. And I'm going to spend a whole message on that. We'll get to there. But this morning, I just want to look at two specific values. And there's a reason why I want to look at these two values. It's because <clears throat> so I think these, incorrectly, I think these two values sometimes um, end up on a spectrum where people tend to either migrate toward one or migrate toward the other. And I think as followers of Christ, we don't have that option because these are both part of the character of God and these are both part of his passion, what he values here on theirs. And the two words that we're gonna look at this morning are this, justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness, okay? What is justice? Justice is valuing what is just. It's really fancy, isn't it? <laughs> valuing what is just. Pursuing what is just. Pursuing justice in our world. Now we know one of, what is one of the trendy topics in our culture is social justice, right? Uh, social justice. And, the, and there are elements of social justice that are absolutely great. Unfortunately, the end goal of social justice value is it becomes God, and the goal is how can we build utopian society right now? And, and that's really not the calling of followers of Christ. Here is what we have been called to. We don't seek justice to try and build some utopian kingdom here apart from God. No, instead, we pursue justice because it is reflective of God's heart and because it points to his eternal kingdom that will be here someday where all things will be perfect all right we do it it's the heart of god it is god's character justice is a part of his character which is why we pursue it and because it points to what will be someday that we get to be a part of today all right when you look at this idea of justice it's clear I mean, it's all over. God's heart for justice is all over Scripture. Particularly, you see it all over the Old Testament, this call for justice. And one of the truths that's so clear when you see specifically all over the Old Testament is God cares for the vulnerable, the marginalized, and those on the outside. He cares for them. And the funny thing is that was so different from the world before the, the, the law came to be. See, everything that the law spoke and everything that Jesus spoke just flew in the face of society. <laughs> because they were like, don't, I don't care about the outsider. How can I push them? How can I leverage their weakness for my strength? Like, that was the whole point. And when you look into Scripture over and over, God cares for the outsider. He often talks about the foreigner. you got to care for them. Leave things for them. Protect them. Guard them. Do not use them. That's not the call. He says, I want justice. Don't act that way. Now, I'm going to share a few things, but before I get there, I just want to share a problem we have. How many know we got problems in our country? Okay. So I'm not telling you anything new. Okay, so one of those problems is this. It's a what-how problem. We have a what-how problem. What do I mean? You and I, me and Amber, can agree on something. Like, here's a problem. The what. We agree on the what. The problem is she and I might th have a different how to get there, a different how to solve the problem. And personally, I think that's a good thing because then we can pick the best how. <laughs> like, let's, you know, if I said, hey, everybody, let's go to the Mall of America, guess what? We all wouldn't take the same route to get there. And some of you would never get there. <laughs> that's how life works, right? We have a what? Everybody has a different how. Some of those hows are better than others, okay? But the problem in our country is if you don't agree with my how, then I don't think you agree with my what. 
And we have, to, we have to be mature enough to recognize that although we may not agree on how to solve that problem, we can both at least agree on what the problem is. And I think when it comes to these values, I'm about to speak of some of the issues. I'm not saying you got to agree on how to solve them, but they are a part of God's heart. Therefore, they have to be in our heart. We have to care about them. Okay? What are some of those values? I think issues of justice, specifically toward the marginalized, we've got issues with unborn. The unborn. How, how are we pursuing justice for the, those that are marginalized, those that cannot protect themselves? What are we doing? In the same way, I don't think we should just have a womb theology. We need to have a womb-to-tomb theology where we care for people. Life matters across the board, right? We don't disregard life. Why? We believe fundamentally what the Word of God says, that all people are created in the image of God. And they have inherent value, so therefore we should pursue that. And anywhere where justice is not visible, that we need to deal with that. We need to engage. That should be a part of our heart. We talk about issues, Amber already talked about, issues of human trafficking and sex trafficking. These are issues of justice. These break the heart of God. This is modern day slavery that is existing. And how are we pursuing justice for those who are marginalized, those who are vulnerable? In the same way, how do we pursue justice for the poor? How we treat the poor matters. What our heart is toward them. Again, I understand everybody's got a different how. But we absolutely cannot grow cold to those whom God said we must care for. It says in James, true religion is what? Caring for the widows and the orphans. Who are they? The poor. They were the vulnerable. They were the ones who didn't have anyone else looking out for them. And so we have to be those who care. We have to be those who have the same value that God has. Similarly, as I've talked about it, how about the immigrant the outsider, the foreigner who's among you. As I said, we all may have a different how to deal with those challenges, but we cannot become so hard and so callous that we don't have a heart that cares and loves and pursues what is best. May we act and function in justice, God-centered justice, all right? Then we have some isms. We got isms. We, we still deal with the, the stain of racism in this world, in our country. It still is there, right? And now how we deal with it, everybody's got a different opinion. But we better be standing against racism anywhere where it's at. That we don't act justly. God, God, would you break us? If it's in me at all, God, would you break it? If there's anything I am a part of, God, would you reveal that to me? That we would fight against that and pursue justice in our world, right? We fight for those, but it's, you know, in this past week, we talk about, you know, the, the verdict came out on, on Breonna Taylor, right? And I understand that that brings up different emotions for people. And it, it brings up pain, especially for those who, who felt the pain of racism in the past. It feels painful. It breaks hearts. And our calling is this, God, we want to be a part of the solution. We want to pursue justice. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us insight. Not of this world. Not what everybody's telling us to do. But God, may we hear your voice on this. And may we function in godly justice. All right? Goes on to sexism. Okay? If there's any instances of sexism, I, obviously, even in this place, God, we say, no, we are going to fight against that injustice where we would ever treat half of our society differently than we treat the other one in a negative manner, okay? But it doesn't just go to those kind of social issues. I believe it comes down to the core understanding of justice as it is. 
Justice. You know what justice is? Justice. It's the same. You know, sometimes we want to say, well, well, justice is, I got to look at things differently. I got to take all the situations into account. I got to do some of these things. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, there was a situation where, where God said, listen, when you come before me, it doesn't matter if the person who did the thing is poor, you treat it justly. You deal with the circumstance, okay? You address it. That's what justice is. Justice isn't like, well, I'm going to play favorites here. No, justice is justice. And so we have to pursue godly justice. It should be a value that we have, all right? That's one side. Unfortunately, sometimes groups are excited about those issues, but they don't want to deal on the other side. And what is that? Righteousness. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Ultimately, it's getting on God's side. Say, God, I don't want, I don't want to do things my way. I'm not going to just say, ooh, this feels right to me. I like this. I don't like that, but I like this, so I'm going to call this right. No, no, righteousness is doing things God's way. It's listening to his voice and doing that stuff, right? And it's fundamentally built on one thing. It's built on truth. It isn't saying, oh, truth, you got your truth, I got my truth. No, we say, God, we listen to you. What do you have to say about this? And I'm going to stand firmly on that truth. Truth is God-given. It is from his word, Okay? And so that's what righteousness is. And that must be a value to us that we function in righteousness, that we live out righteousness, whatever the area is. I don't care if it's issues of morality, sexuality, whatever the issue is, are we functioning in righteousness? And here this church, not just demanding it of those people, but living it. Amen? Amen? We do real good at pointing out other people's unrighteousness. And we're not real good about saying, God, reveal mine. See, values aren't primarily meant for voting on. Go ahead, do that. I think you should. We should take those things and vote on them, but I think it's more than what we vote on. Kingdom values are meant to be lived out. We are called to live these things, that we would be the people that that pursue justice and righteousness, that we say, God, would you reveal it to me? Would you speak wisdom to me? Would you make it so plain to me? Write it clearly to me, God. May I understand you? Because hear this, as a church, we have to pursue these things because if it's on God's heart, then it should be on our heart. If it's something he values, then we should be valuing it, all right? I wrote this down. If the church spent more time living God's kingdom values and less times trying to lead political movements, I believe the church and the world would look radically different. And some of you might say, oh, I don't like that, Greg. Hear this. The solution for our world isn't a political movement. If it was, then Jesus would have done that. Okay? When Jesus came, remember they kept trying to prop him up. Ooh, yeah, come into the town. Yeah, be our king, be our leader. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to do a political movement for you guys to make you feel, but no, no, I'm above this. Remember, I got a bigger thing going on here, right? I'm king, I'm Lord, so maybe you should join what I'm doing in the world. And listen, the solution of the world isn't a political movement. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what it is. It is Christ in you, us saying, God, we are submitted to your kingdom. We are living out your kingdom values right here. The prayer we pray all the time, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've told you, I've changed that. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me as it is in heaven. God, may I be representing the kingdom of God. May I be living out kingdom values here. God, may my heart look like your heart. That's our call. Do I have concerns about the future of our nation? Yeah, I do. I got kids. I'm still young-ish. 
I got a lot of life here, potentially, in this country still, and so I have concerns about this country. Do I, do I recognize that this next election probably has two very, very different directions that we can head? Yes, I understand that. I pray about that. I'm concerned about that. But in my passion for this kingdom, may I never lose sight of his kingdom. My love of this place, may I never lose sight where my allegiance is. I'm not playing on one of the two teams. I've been called to have an allegiance back in New York City (laughs) that tells me, God, I want to value the things you value. I want to love the things you love. I don't care where it lands. Yes, I I I may view the world this way on the left side of things, and that's how I view things, or I may be on the right side here, but God, when it comes to the values outside of that moment, when I gotta check a box, God, may my heart break for what breaks your heart. May I be passionate about what you are passionate about, and may I not just talk about it and just vote about it, but God, may I actually live it. May I live out your justice and your righteousness. So I ask you this question. Do you value what your Father in heaven values? Do you value that? Or do you find yourself ever compromising your values because of where you're aligned politically? It's a challenge. That's what everybody wants you to do. Everybody wants you to join their team, to join their side. And sometimes we hamstring ourselves at that point. But God, give us voices that speak truth. God, give us hearts that are committed to you. And even beyond the political side of things, it's possible some of you come in the room this morning and you would, you would look at your life and you would recognize, you know what, I've, really, I've been trying to get God to join my side. Just, will, you, will you help me do my thing? See, the gospel, the good news of the gospel is that there is life abundant available to you, but it doesn't happen as long as you want it on your terms. The gospel says if you want to experience that kind of life, it only comes when you lay your life down and you submit it to and there may be somebody here this morning who, who's never submitted their life to Christ. You've never laid yourself down before him. Oh, you've liked, you come to church sometimes. You like to be at church, that's fine. <clears throat> but see, just coming to church, that doesn't save you. That doesn't help you. Actually, it's no good. This is actually a waste of time if you're not willing to submit your life to Christ. You get to hang out with some people, that's cool. But, but do you really want to experience the life he has for you? It takes a very simple but a very significant step. And that is to say, God, I'm yours. I invite you to pray with me across this room. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. God, we thank you. We thank you that you call. That you call us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we want to be responsive. We want to be those who respond to you. Wherever we are politically, that doesn't matter, God. At the end of the day, may we first and foremost be so committed to you to value what you value, Lord, that we would truly be Christians, little Christs, walking around this world, embodying the kingdom of God for those around us. God, help us. We admit that we mess it up sometimes. We admit that we, we get divided. But God, we don't want that. I know I don't want that, Lord. I don't ever want to get to heaven and realize that I've, I've just invested in the wrong things. God, may I fully invest in your kingdom to lay myself down for you, Lord. God, I pray for any heart here this morning. Maybe they're in a place where they recognize there's some areas they, they've been doing. Maybe it is a morality issue. Maybe it's a relationship Maybe it's something else, some endeavor that they're just trying to get you to join on their side. But God, may I pray that this morning we corporately would repent of those things and we would lay ourselves down before you to say, God, we want to submit to you. We want to submit to your kingdom in every way. Help us, Jesus. With every head bow, every eye closed, 
Um, we talk about justice and righteousness. The, the good news of the gospel is that in Christ, God deals with both of those. See, the justice of God is revealed through the death of Christ. See, he paid the penalty that we deserved. He embodied justice on our behalf. That's what Christ did for us. But it's not just the righteousness, the justice, but it's the righteousness. Because we are, there's no way we could clean ourselves up. But you know what happens through Christ? Is that his righteousness gets placed on us. And God now doesn't see our brokenness. He sees the perfection of Christ. But the way we receive that is by submitting our life to Christ. If you're here this morning, you would say, you know what? I've never taken that step to submit my life to Christ like that. I'm doing my own thing. I'm asking him to join me, but God, I want to lay my life down before you. If that's you this morning with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to take a step to raise a hand across this room right now. To take the step to say, God, I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to surrender my life to you. pray with me. God, we thank you. We thank you that you care about us and you love us. And Lord, I'm asking that you would help every single one of us to embody trust in you. God, embody loving you. God, embody surrender to you. Pray you'll help us to live that way, God, to put you first in every area of our lives. Lord, I pray as the week goes on, as we come into moments and circumstances where we've we're just not sure, like, oh, which way should we go, God? I pray that we would turn to you and say, God, help us to, to be on your side, not to ask you to join ours. God, may we live out your values in our lives, we pray. We pray that in the name of Jesus, everybody say, amen. Amen, amen. Would you, would you stand with me across the room? And I want to give, it, I want to give a challenge to uh, all of you here. Same challenge I gave you last week. As we're in the midst of this season, it's going to be very easy to get off, to get distracted. And so this is why we've carved out six weeks of worship and prayer to say, God, we are making space for you. And so my challenge to you is that you would join us this Wednesday night from 6.30 until 8 o'clock. Uh, make time as we, as we say, God, we're not, you're not going to listen to me preach. I might share five minutes of something. We're here to meet with God, to spend time in prayer with one another and allow him to speak to us. And so I would encourage you to come make this a part of your week. Otherwise, uh, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing as we go. God, I thank you that we are yours. Help us to walk out of these doors and live like it. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It wasn't a fancy prayer. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, for those who uh, want to join us, just a reminder, we're going to the Apple Orchard 2 o'clock today. We'd love to have you join us. You can check social media if you got any questions. If this is your first time, do me a favor. Swing by the table on the left back there. Amber and I are going to be there. we got a gift for you. We'd love to say out in the lobby, just off to the left, you'll see a big sign there. Loved. Otherwise, we'll see you Wednesday night and see you back next Sunday. Have a great week, guys.